Well, good morning, all of our campuses, McKinney, Prosper, Frisco West, and all of us here at Frisco East, and all of you watching online. I love you. So glad you're with us today. I'm very excited about the message today. Uh, talking week two, redacted. Um, but before I get to that, on the screen, I'm going to put a, our website um, slash unity, hopefellowship.net slash unity. Let me talk about this. This week, uh, I want you to go there. You can download some prayers for all week, praying in unity here at our church for unity in uh, our country, but more specifically uh, uh, in, in the body of Christ. Unity in the body of Christ. Of all the people on the planet, the body of Christ, we should be relational build bridgers, not burners. We should be uh, praying for, uh, fighting for each other, and believing for each other in good ways. And so, and, and let me be specific, because I'm normally not specific, but I want to be specific today. This is not a political thing. This is more of a Christ-following thing. But when we speak of unity, and in your prayers, I want you to just think for just a minute that if it was your family that lost a loved one uh, in some form or fashion, the way in which in the, in the recent days that have happened, in a black community specifically, but not just that, any race, doesn't matter, I want you to think about the compassion and the prayers that the, those families need, that the love in which those families need, that our black brothers and sisters or Hispanic or Asian or whatever, Indian, whatever uh, the race, that we show and build bridges of compassion and relationship. That's what the unity table that we have been uh, fostering here and, and with my friends around the, the area, my pastor friends around the area, uh, of just sitting across the table from people who may not have come from your background, may not be the same color of skin, but you're hearing their story. You're not talking about crazy things, right? You're not talking about politics. Don't do that. Just talk, talk about your story. Talk about your family. Talk about where you come from and all those things. That's what we're fostering. But on the other side of this, I want you to think about the law enforcement and the way that they feel. And the, the great and servant-hearted people who serve our communities in law enforcement and are devastated as well, as well as their families. I want you to think about how they feel and how the scrutiny and, and the judgment and on both sides, I mean, it's crazy. And then, and I know I'm in the middle on this, so, and that's, that's fine. You can send me all the emails you want. I, I can hit delete just quickly as you send that. Because, listen... If you follow Jesus, none of this should offend you. If you really follow Jesus, none of this should offend you because we are called, blessed are the peacemakers. So my point here is when you go to unity, we're not trying to make any big statements. We're not trying to be crazy. All we're just saying is as, as we follow Jesus, how could we not build bridges that was a good place for an amen, but my friend over here is not here. So <laughs> across our campuses, I know Prosper McKinney, for, I know you're saying amen. I love you guys. And, and so that's what we're, this week, we're just kind of honing in on unity. So pray with me and download those prayers for each day. Now, redacted series, we're in week two. 
Uh, here's the definition that we're using for redacted, the process of editing a document to conceal or remove confidential information before disclosure or publication. Now, you see this in legal documents, even government documents, top secret things for your eyes only type things. And it looks like this. They, you know, block out letters or, or uh, they block out phrases or sentences. And in this series, we're just visiting some of the, quote, redacted areas of Scripture some of the redacted subjects of Scripture that, you know, we don't teach a lot. Even I don't teach a lot. I don't, you know, go there quite a bit. It's not because I don't want to. It's just because some of the stuff that we talk about, are, it's very complicated, very complex. And in the Q&A in two weeks, um, we're going to tackle some hard issues. I'm not going to shy away from those issues. We're going to talk about some hard issues, but it's complicated. It's not as easy. It's easy for us to judge somebody, but when it's happening to us or whatever— it's not as easy. So today, as last week, here's what we talked about. We talked about, is Jesus the only way to heaven? Today, we're going to talk about, are we living in the last days? Are we living in the last days? I will be honest and say that over the last year, COVID, racial tension, elections, wow, <laughs> this has been a crazy year. And there have, I have received many emails and messages on Facebook giving me prophetic uh, statements of how the election was going to turn out and how this was going to turn out. I'm just going to tell you, they were all false prophets, okay? <laughs> Every single one of them. And it just irritates me to no end because nobody's held accountable. Nobody just says, hey, you know what? You said this was of the Lord and it didn't happen. And so what I want to do today is not make, stir up more controversy. Uh, it, I just want to say, hey, as Christ followers, it is so important that we are not silly in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I understand that they will never understand. They will never understand our followership of Jesus. The world will never get it, totally get that. But sometimes we don't help ourselves, and we're silly, and we say silly things in the name of the Lord, and it doesn't happen. And when we talk about are we living in the last days, what I'm going to do is not going to, I'm not going to give you crazy things. I'm going to give you Scripture. We're going to visit a ton of Scripture. And I don't say this with, with an attitude, although I feel sometimes an attitude because I mourn uh, for the body of Christ because of all the crazies out there that are saying things that are not true. And it just, it just irritates all of us, I think, that, that are just like, hey, we're just going to keep our eyes focused on the right thing, that's Jesus, and then all the peripheral things we can allow for discussion but not be silly about it. Okay, so here's where we're going today. I'm going to answer the question right up front, are we living in the last days? I'm going to answer that question in three scriptures. Then we're going to look at the events of the last days. And I want you to stay with me and hear me out. Those of you that are not familiar with any last day's teachings, Revel, the book of Revelation, when Jesus talks about the last days, um, I, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to just take notes. I want you to take pictures if you need to or go to our app. And there's notes there on the sermon, the message, and, and research it for yourself. Look up Scripture. And just think, okay, what, what do I need to learn about this? Uh, don't go to crazy ministry websites, okay? Go to Scripture, Google some Scriptures on whatever it is the subject, and then 
read those and say, Lord, help me understand. If you got questions, we're doing a Q&A. We're doing a Q&A in two weeks. I'll try to answer some of those. So if you have questions about it, so I understand that some of this material for some of you is like new. You never heard of this stuff. Just stay with me. Take some uh, notes and research. We're going to talk about the events, and then we're going to talk about, more importantly, our role in the last days, okay? I say more importantly. Equally as important as the events, our role in those events. First, let me answer the question whether or not we're living in the last days. Second Timothy, here we go. You should know this, Timothy, this is Paul the Apostle talking, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. Okay, ding, ding, ding. (laughs) We're there. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly, stay away from people like that. Next verse, 2 Peter chapter 3. Most importantly, I want to remind you, speaking Peter, the apostle Peter talking here of the last days, most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Peter goes on to answer, we're not going to read it, but he goes on to answer the reason why Jesus has not come back yet, because the promise in the first century, as Jesus said, I'm coming back, they really thought it's coming, it's like right now. He's going to come back in just a few months or a few years or whatever. And then when he didn't, when he didn't, when he didn't, there was like this scoffing. It was like, man, where is he at? Where is he at? He's not coming. The reason it says right here, later on in this verse, I encourage you to go read all these verses this week. Um, he says, man, the only reason the Lord hasn't come is because of his mercy and compassion. For he's, he, It's not his will that any would perish. And I want you to hear me. Calvinist, I want you to hear me. It is not his will for any to perish, but all come to repentance. Crazy. I love this. I love the heart of God, the compassion of God for everyone. God so loved the world, right? Okay, next verse. Hebrews. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance, and through the son, he created the universe. The writer of Hebrews speaking that we are in the final days. So the answer, are we living in the last days? Let me be specific. From the ascension of Jesus to heaven after his resurrection to the restoration of all things, that is determined, that is to be determined as the last days. So I understand Paul the apostle thinking we're in the last days. Peter's, we're in the last days. Correct. Us today, we're thinking, are we in the last days? Are we in the last days? I don't know. This is weird. Yes, we're in the last days. We are in the last days. Now listen, I'm going to talk about how, why this is important in our roles in just a minute. But to answer that question, the answer, are we living in the last days? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Now, what are some of the events of the final 
days of the last days, okay? Because there are some events that are prophesied in uh, the book of Revelation specifically, even Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 specifically, talks about some events that are going to happen in the last days. At the end of the last days, here are some things that are going to happen. Now, let me just say this about this. Those of you that really have studied this and you are passionate about this, I'm glad. This is not something to shy away from, by the way, just because you don't know Scripture. Just because you feel like, man, this is the way I've read Revelation, that's spooky. I don't want to read that. No, you should read it. You should, we should all read it. I mean, we're going to understand everything. And let me just say this, the older I get, the less I know. The older I, the, the older I get, the more I study this, the more that I have dived into, and I've, I've taught on the book of Revelation for years, years, and the dispensational views and so forth. Man, the more I read these days, the more I'm like, well, I don't know what I, what I believe necessarily. But these things that I'm going to list for you are, are in my opinion, the definites of the last days. Now, there are many more, but I'm going to give you some of the ones that stand out to me that are the events. Okay, so let me just sit, put on the screen. I'm going to talk about the last events of the last days, and then we're going to talk about our role. So I'm going to, I'm going to go through these quickly. So again, I encourage you, uh, don't get lost with me. Don't, don't just wander on your phone and just think, oh, I don't know about this, so I'm just going to check out. I want you to hear me and stay with me to the last, okay? Here are some of, the, some of the last events, the first one being that the signs, okay? There are going to be signs. Some of those signs are this list, okay? Signs of the end, signs of the final days. The gospel is going to be preached to all nations, now, if you don't know this by, but right now, we are very close to that. We are very close. The Bible's being translated. It's not yet translated in every language, but it's, it's being. People are working feverishly on that, trying to get the Word of God. That's why we do missions. That's why we give. Hope Fellowship, we give to foreign missions, seeing missionaries and, 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 and internet stuff that we try and reach people far from God who have never heard the message because Jesus says, and let me read it out of Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached through all, throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. That's one of the signs. Second sign, these are not in any particular order, by the way. These are just signs that I'm giving you. A time of tribulation. <clears throat> Jesus talks about this. Let me be, Daniel, the book of Daniel somewhat talks about this. Let me give you some specifics of what Jesus says about this. Matthew 24 again. For there will be, a, be, be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. And I'm only reading one scripture on each one. But the point here is that it seems clear to me that no matter what your eschatology is, which that's a theological term for the study of the last days, um, that there's going to be some hard things. Now, again, I, I think that Jesus could be talking in two different ways, two, like dual prophecy, like what's going to happen in 70 AD when Rome demolishes Israel, demolishes the temple in Jerusalem. Could be talking uh, uh, about something else as well. So right now in the we're not sure about that, but the reality is that I believe, as Paul talks about this, that in the last days, it's going to be 
hard. People are going to be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, scoffers, and so forth, right? It's going to be even more difficult as that time, the end of the end time comes. It's going to be great tribulation, great trouble, nation, and wars, and earthquakes, and famine. All those things, I do believe, are parts of the last of the last days. Signs in heaven are, is, is the next one. And, and this is this is talked about in many places, but I'll give you Jesus again in Matthew 24. Immediately after the anguish of those days, talking about the trouble and the tribulation, the sun will be darkened. The moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the son of man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. In the end of the end, there's going to be signs in the heavens, just like Jesus says. Okay, so those are some of the signs that of the end of the end, now there are more signs, I'm not going to go into all the details of the minutiae, but but those are some of the important signs of the end that we know, okay, the gospel is going to be preached to all nations. And there's going to be signs, and there's going to be all kinds. So that's the signs. The second thing underneath last events is the resurrection and transformation. How many of you have ever heard of the rapture of the church? Would you raise your hand? If you've heard across all campuses, would you raise your hand? Okay, so the rapture, let me just be honest. I don't like to use that term. Um, It's not a biblical term. I like to use the resurrection and transformation because that is a biblical term. Uh, let me be specific, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, here's what Paul says about this. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Okay, so speaking of when Jesus comes, there's going to be a transformation of those who are living. So like right now, if Jesus came right now, we're living, okay? We would be transformed. Our bodies will be transformed. It, it goes on to explain that in a minute. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. That's the resurrection. So when I say resurrection and transformation, this is what we're talking about. Those who have died, like your, 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 maybe your parent, maybe a grandparent, maybe friends or whatever, those bodies that have died, they will rise like Jesus rose from the grave. Their bodies will be changed along with our bodies, will be transformed. Resurrection, transformation. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. That's the reason for the transformation, because we're going to live forever. Our bodies are going to live forever, but we're not, not this body. Believe me, I'm young and I feel old. You know what I'm saying? How many are with me on that? It's like, oh my goodness, uh, I'm glad we're going to get a new body. All right. So, so those of you, so th- never mind, never mind. All right. For dying bodies will be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal. So we'll be like Jesus. Okay. So our bodies will be changed to live forever. That is the resurrection and transformation. Notice that I'm not telling you like in a sequence of time in the end times where, when all this is going to take place. Because anybody who is adamant about that is wrong. I'm just telling you, we don't know. Now, you can have a position, but can I be honest with you? Hold that position loosely, okay? Because nobody knows. 
Nobody really knows if, the, if this resurrection and transformation is going to happen here, going to happen there. You can have a position. That's okay. But don't get dogmatic about it. Don't argue with people about it. Just say, oh, okay, whatever. All right. Millennial reign of Christ and the second coming. Of, I put these together because I, I feel like they're probably going to happen together. Um, millennial reign of Christ and second coming of Christ. Let's look at that. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. Then I saw thrones and the people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus. Now, pr- particularly right here, that's, now how many read that and go, what? Yeah, um, this is, um, these are some of those things in the tribulation, in that, that time of anguish that are very, very possible that believers, now, now I know here in, in, in the States, if you're watching overseas or wherever you may be watching, in the States, this is foreign to us. Persecution, death because of our faith, is very foreign. But across this world, Christians are being put to death for their faith every day. Every day. So this is nothing new. It will just be escalated at the time of the tribulation or in the season of, of anguish. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshiped the beast or his statue, which I'll talk about in a minute, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They all came, and by the way, man, I get tickled by people who saying this is gonna be, oh, that's the mark. That's the mark of the beast. It's gonna, it's gonna uh, look at that. They're gonna insert it when the, well, anyway, I'm not even gonna go there because you'll get mad at me. But quit, quit reading conspiracy theory crud. All right, here we go. They had not worshipped the beast or statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. Believe me, let me just say this, and you can get mad at me if you want to. You're going to know when it's the mark, okay? You are going to know when it's the mark. Quit worrying. Okay, they all came to life again, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Okay, and my point here, um, so, so if I made you mad right there, just give me a hug. Give me a hug, and let's move on so that you can, so you can hear the rest of this. They're going to reign for a thousand years. So the millennial reign is, I know it's a highly debated thing in the theological world, but is it, in other words, is it a real, literal thousand years that Jesus is going to come back, second coming, first coming was when he came as a baby, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, rose from the grave. That's his first coming. Second coming is when he comes to this earth, sets his feet on this earth, and then the, the scripture, this is just one, scripture says that he will rule and reign for a thousand years. Now, is it a literal thousand years? Like the thousand years is a day to the Lord and a day is like a thousand years? I don't know. I don't know. Please, please hold that loosely. Who cares? We're going to rule and reign with him because our bodies are going to be transformed. We're just going to be, hey, it's all good. It's all good. All right. That's the millennial reign, second coming. How many still with me? How many still love me? All right, good, good. Here we go. Final judgment. Final judgment. Now, this is an interesting one. This is not for believers. Okay, so uh, there's many, uh, much confusion about, oh, the final judgment. Man, I've, ooh. No, we're not, we're, going to be, we're not going to be a part of this final judgment. Okay, uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne. And the one sitting on it, the earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small. So that dead would be those who have died rejecting Christ, standing before God's throne. 
and the books were opened, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. Let me, let me explain that just a minute. Those who were dead, rejecting Christ, are raised to life to stand judgment, the final judgment. The second death means they die again, okay? They're, they're thrown into this lake of fire, whatever that is. There's many things about that. I'm not going to get into that. This lake of fire is a second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So if you're a believer, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So you don't have to worry about this thing. We're going to be with the Lord, all right? This is for those who have not. So the final judgment is real. Now, the exciting part, okay? Now, stay with me. Here's the exciting part, and this is the last event that I'm, I'm going to cover. All things restored. This is a great one. Revelation chapter 21. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more, listen to this, no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. New heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem coming down. It's all good. Gates of pearl, you know, all those things. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That's why, that's why when we say we're living in the last days, there's not like another testament coming, like in a hundred years or a thousand years. Like there's going to be a oh, there's another covenant, and so that oh, what is that? Well, no, 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 no. There is. We got the scripture. This is the. These are the last days, and the last days. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. There will be a completion of the way things are here on earth, sin, corruption, injustice, pain, whatever, will all be gone. All things will be new. The beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. This is an exciting thing. This is, this is, a, this is not something that, as believers, we go, oh, man, Ooh, I don't know. Let me say, when I was growing up, my church talked about the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church incessantly, okay? And it was scary. Man, we watched films on it. And I watched people getting their heads chopped on. It was like, oh, man. And I would, I would be at school. Now, those of you who've never raised like that, you're like, what are you talking about? You were abused. No, no, I was just scared to death. Okay? I was so afraid at school that I was going to miss the rapture because I'd said something, I said a cuss word, and then the Lord was going to come, and I was going to be like, oh, <laughs> trying, to, trying to catch him. Let me just say, as believers, as believers, I'm not making fun of that, I'm just saying, as believers, there is nothing scary about this. Nothing scary. He is going to give us the power under tribulation. He will give us the power to understand. He will give us the power to withstand. He will give us everything we need for what we need, whatever we go through. He will give us what we need, when we need it, whenever we, whatever we go through. 
So I know some of you, my friends, are saying, we're not going through any tribulation. Okay, I hope not. I hope not. But what if we do? Oh, I don't know. It's going to be fine. I promise you. Look at me. Give me a hug. It's going to be fine. Because at the end of the end of the day, at the end of the end of the day, I know that all things are going to be restored. All things are going to be restored. And that, my friends, is great news. Okay? That's great news. Now, yeah. As important, as important as that is, equally as important is our role in the last days. Let me talk about this. Our role, stay on mission. Our role in the last days is to stay on mission. Our role in the last days is not to be drawn in to hours and hours of looking at uh, crazy websites that, that dig us in a further hole that we're trying to figure out all these theories and all this stuff. That's, I'm being honest here. You may not agree with me, but that's okay. We can agree to disagree. I think it's important that we stay on mission. What is our mission? Let me give you two scriptures. Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What is our mission? Let me just be honest. Whether you're an attorney, a businessman or woman, a teacher, uh, a garbage collector, whoever you are, whatever you are, you're going to school, you're in middle school, you're in high school, you're in college, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you do, whatever you have, this is your mission. This is not John's mission. Hey, John, you go preach the gospel. I'll bring them to you. You preach to them. No, 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 no. This is our mission. All of us, no matter who you are, go and make disciples. Your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends at school, on your team, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever, wherever you work, this is our mission. Matthew chapter 5, very important what Jesus instructs us and who he calls us to be. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Now, what could that possibly mean? What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Guys, when we are married to and hold so tightly to our opinion rather than our influence for Jesus, we lose. The kingdom of God loses. That's why I'm so adamant that we, and I'll keep talking about it till the day I die, Social media is such a great platform. It's not an evil platform. It is a great platform for us to be the light of the world. Not to be silly. Not to be crazy. Not to be mean or unkind. This is a great way for us. Because when you're unkind, when you're mean, when you're crazy, when you're silly, when you're getting involved in things that are out of mission... Can I just tell you, it does the kingdom no good, and you've lost your flavor. We've lost our flavor. Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, listen to this, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. What is our role in the last days? Stay on mission. Stay on mission. Second, second, 
Here's the deal. Live godly lives. Peter talks about this. You ready? Peter talks about this in chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3. And so, dear friends, while you were waiting for these things to happen, the end times, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. While you're waiting for these things, what are things? The events of the last times. While you're waiting for his return, live peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. Jesus uses terminology like this. He says, as it was in the days of Noah. As it was in the day, what were the days of Noah? The days of Noah, people were self-centered, weren't listening to God's word in the sense of Noah saying, hey, be ready, get ready, get ready. The coming, this, this thing is coming. Okay, so it was a flood that time. But as it was in the days of Noah, they will be distracted They'll be marrying and giving in marriage. They'll be partying and they're living for their lives. I want you to hear me, North Dallas. They will be living their lives for themselves. And Peter, instru- and as long, along with other scriptures that I could give you, he says, in the last days, I want you, I want you to settle down. I want you to not be distracted by materialism. I want you to be not distracted by politics. I want you to not be distracted by anything in this world and what it has to offer. I want you to, to live peaceful, godly lives as you wait for the coming of the Lord. Amen. Not be distracted with all this, that this world has to offer. You live your life waiting for him, which leads me to the last one, and that is watch for his return. As believers, we are watching for, even if, even if it doesn't happen in our lifetime. May not. What if it does? We're watching and we're waiting. Here's what Jesus says about it. He says this, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. We don't know. But what we do is we watch. We watch for it. I have friends we go out to dinner with uh, occasionally, and they they live in our same area, so they pick us up. Usually they do because they on the way out, it's 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 right there, and so they pick us up. And a lot of times I go to my office window in my home and I look out the window to see if they're there, see if they're because I don't want to I don't want them waiting there and having to text us, hey we're here, weren't you watching? That's the same kind of picture, is that we're watching and we're waiting for the Lord. We're not distracted and consumed. In fact, let me put it on the screen like this. When we live only for this moment, what this world has to offer, and only for this world, all the things that that we get distracted with, we will have missed our purpose, and we will be very disappointed when we stand before the Lord. And when we stand before the Lord, man, I don't want him to say, it's not a long list, John. The things that, man, we're so proud, and this is the judgment seat of Christ, not the final judgment, but when we stand before the Lord, held accountable for the way we lived our Christian lives, I don't want to, I don't want to look at me and says, man, you cheated people in your business. I don't want to look at me and says, man, you wasted your talent. I don't want to look at me and say, man, wow, and what, what you could have done if you'd have been serious about me, what you'd have been serious about your mission, what you could have done. See, when we get distracted and we live only for the moment and only for what this world has to offer, we will be distracted, we will be disappointed, and we will have missed our purpose. Okay? 
This is so important. Our role is equally as important as the events because it matters. It matters. Lost people matter to God. It is not my will that any should perish. There is no other name given among men whereby we should be saved or can be saved. Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe. The stakes are high. So as the people of God, as followers of Christ, we're not weird or wacky or kooky or saying crazy things that don't happen. But we are focused, laser focused on our mission and what he's called us to be. And when he comes, we're ready. We're watching. Make sense? All right. Two final scriptures that are important to close this out. Two final scriptures. Acts chapter 1. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. That's the ultimate first Jesus juke. You ever heard of Jesus juke? When you say something and somebody says something really spiritual right in front of you, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. You know, anyway, here's what Jesus says. In fact, let me, let me illustrate. I have this little book, and this book is entitled, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. I didn't make this up, and I am making fun, not of the author. I'm sure he had good intentions, possibly. Let me say this as clearly and unapologetically as I can. No one knows the dates or the hours in which he will come. No one. And when you look at all the crud that's out there saying this is when it's going to happen, that we, we festival of this and festival of that, that, that is Please, don't waste your time. we got to stay on mission. There are way more important things than conspiracy, prophetic, Jesus-coming events that don't happen. 88 reasons why he can't. Now, when he didn't come in 1988, guess what? There was another book. Oh, we missed it by a year. Missed it by a year, and there was another book, 1989. And again, it sounds like I have an attitude, and I'm not speaking this in pride, I'm only speaking this, and this is not the only time Jesus said this. He even says, not even, the son of, not, not even the Son of Man knows when he's coming back. So, believers, let us not get fixated on dates and times. Just be ready. Let us not, and I know we, we want to warn people. We'll tell people. Tell people he's coming. Let your lives be an attractive way to live so that people who watch you in your neighborhood, in your, at, your, at your place of work, they just see you and they go, man, I want what you have. They're not, they're not being scared to death because of some, some eschatological thing that we're trying to say and say, hey, you're going to get your head cut off if you don't. That doesn't work. Let your lives, let your lives be the example. Second scripture Then Peter stepped forward. This is Acts chapter 2. Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven 
other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and the residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. That was then. I understand now this is a big problem. Okay? No, what you, what you see was predicted, listen to this, long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days. So this is Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church. And Peter, Joel, repeating Joel, says, in the last days. And he says, this is what's happening. So we're living in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit. This is great. This is such great stuff. I will pour out my spirit. And listen, amidst some of the signs, amidst some of the tribulation, maybe early, maybe some things, we're just like our world right now is at very unrest. We're just, it's really kind of crazy. He says, man, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and, listen to this, women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great day, great and glorious day of the Lord arise. But listen to this. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Guys, this is why we do everything that we do. This is why I ask you to give. I ask you to give because we want to see everyone in this area come to Christ. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. You know we don't do that. We don't scare people. We're not trying to be crazy people. All we want to do is we want to build bridges with people far from God, people that are hurting, people that are confused, people that are addicted, people that are in trouble. We want to build bridges. We want to build bridges. Why? Because it matters. Because lost people, hurt people, addicted people matter to God. And if they matter to God, they matter to us. So as we close... I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. I want to be very specific with this. Those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Across all of our campuses and those of you watching online, if in your heart today you would say, I need to call on the name of the Lord. I need to call on the name of the Lord. Not because you're scared, but because there's a drawing, the Holy Spirit inside. I mean, your, your heart may be beating out of your chest, and you're just like, man, I need to get things right with God. I need to make him the Lord of my life. I need to accept what he did on the cross and through his resurrection, and I need to call on the name of the Lord today. And if that's you, just across our campuses, online, right here in this room, I want you to raise your hand and say, John, would you pray for me? Yes. Would you pray for me? Yes. 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 Yeah, would you pray for me? I'm calling on the name of the Lord this morning. Anybody else across our campus, just raise your hand high. We're going to pray online. God, I thank you for those hearts who are coming to you saying, I repent of, of either my sin and my distraction. I, I repent of living for myself, and I accept what you've done for me. And I want to walk in a newness of life. I want to walk in, in, a, in a way in which is pleasing to you, watching and waiting, staying on mission. I want to repent of living my own way. And I receive what you've done for me by the cross and resurrection.
And Lord, I pray that everybody who, who's saying that in their heart right now, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done in all of our hearts, right here, right now, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.